As always, Infinite Canvas Ultra is sponsored by Midwest Action. Midwest Action is a record and tape label as well as a blog based here in our hometown of Chicago. In celebration of Midwest Action's fifth year as a label, they are hosting a showcase at Sleeping Village in Chicago on March 19th. The showcase is headlined by Midwest Action artist Bev Rage and the Drinks. Also on the bill is Richard Album, Harvey Fox, and Impulsive Hearts. For more info on this show and Midwest Action's catalog of releases, you can head over to MidwestAXN.com. Midwest Action. Listen local. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 25 of Infinite Canvas Ultra. I'm Daniel Fiorio. And I'm Michael Lane. On this week's episode, we're finally doing it. We're in a bit of a dead season in terms of films. Um, I don't think either of us wanted to go see Sonic the Hedgehog. So we're... Hey, uh, <laughs> I might go see Sonic the Hedgehog, but it's, not, it. it's, not, it's definitely not something like need to go see. But if you, go, if you go see it for the sake of the show, I will, I will go see that. <laughs> oh, definitely for the sake of the show. I'm only seeing it for the podcast, definitely. Wink. <laughs> um, but um, I am referencing to what has been widely regarded as the worst film of of 2019 yeah um the fred durst written and directed john travolta starring the fanatic we're doing it we're reviewing it we watched it so we watched we watched it. that movie all hour and 28 minutes of it um glad i didn't have to pay a single cent to watch it either thank you amazon thank you amazon <laughs> we appreciate that yeah, it's happening. We're reviewing, yeah. we're reviewing The Fanatic this week. Yeah, and um, outside of that, we will also be giving our thoughts on Tame Impala's new album, The Slow Rush, Absolutely. as well as Grimes' new album, uh, Miss Anthropocene? Yeah, Miss Anthropocene. Yeah, I just, I'm not sure how to say that. Uh, I hope I got that right. Uh, but yeah, for both of those artists, two of our favorites, uh, first album in five years for both yeah. of them. Um, so yeah, we'll be checking in on those and have some news here at the front. Absolutely. There's been a lot that has come out in the last, last week that we definitely need to talk about. Some, yeah. some great infinite canvas fodder oh, yeah. that happened in the last <laughs> week that we need to touch upon. So stick around. It's going to be a great episode as always. Infinite canvas ultra episode 25. Hello everybody. Welcome to infinite canvas ultra. How you doing, Michael? I'm doing great. It's uh, it's a beautiful Sunday morning today. It's gonna be fifty some degrees mm -hmm. um, today. It's uh, the end of February, which in Chicago should not be that temperature, but no. I'll take it anytime I can get it. So, so it's snowy or brutally cold. Yeah, so like I'm, last year I'm feeling good. Sun's out. Um, I feel great. I'm How about you, Dan? Way. I'm doing great. I'm doing really good. Um, Excited for this week's episode. We got a lot of fun stuff to talk about. Yeah. Um, a lot of really interesting news that has broke since uh, last week's episode. A lot of really cool reveals. Mm -hmm. um, one that I think I'm going to start off with right out the gate. We have our first look at Robert Pattinson as Batman. Multiple uh, first looks, actually, if you haven't seen. Because um, they put out that, that teaser trailer video. Yep. Uh, that like suit test yep. the the all red test mm -hmm. um but the other day i think actually yesterday there's um set photos of him on like a riding a motorcycle through a grave i saw it um yeah uh i'm not entirely sold on the on set photos i thought that looked a little funky i thought so too um it just looked a little uh undone 
like mm-hmm. just just not finished for some reason i don't know if that was actual principal photography like if they were actually shooting or if it was just you know stage testing or something i feel like it might have been because also the person in the suit is very obviously not robert Pattinson. it looked it looked like ben affleck it like he had did. like the cleft chin of yeah. ben affleck and i was like is this is that Ben Affleck? What am I looking at here? Mm-hmm. Um, but I did really love the look of the suit in that red screen test that oh, they yeah. had. I thought that was such a cool video, such a great way to show that suit off for the first time. A uh, little sad we didn't get a look at the ears. I know. Uh, I, I, I wonder. I wonder if there's like a reveal in that. Like, are they going to be like super long point? You know, like what 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 ears are we getting this time around? Well, I don't uh, feel like the suit that we saw in the you know footage that came out yesterday, um, like, is the actual thing. I do feel like probably like the ears on that suit are probably close to like sure. what it's going to look like. I feel like a lot of that's probably close to what it's going to look like, except for like all the. Like really funky, like those like arm wrist guards, guards that he, that he had, had like looked like they had like knives in them or something. I don't, I don't. They looked weird. Um, I don't really feel like that's gonna be something that sticks with this design. I, yeah, like, it also didn't have a cape, right? No, like there was no cape on that. It also, um, like the cowl had black eyes, just completely blacked out eyes. So I yeah. feel like a lot of that is not, you know, final uh, product. Right. I feel like that is probably just some like you know they're just doing some preliminary things. Yeah. But um. Yeah, no, I mean, all in all, it's it's really awesome. I love the sort of, like, uh... Like the collar? Yeah, the collar, the on, the, collar. on the costume, which is a really neat touch. It kind of makes it's it look like... Mike Gotham. Mignola. Right, uh, it's like Gotham by Gaslight. It's like a mix of that and uh, the Lee Bermejo version of the character from Batman Noel and uh, the Joker graphic novel that he did with sure. Brian Azzarello. Um, I get little instances of the Arkham games in it. Hmm. It kind of looks like the Arkham games, like, slightly. Like, maybe like a more... the padded armor kind of look. Yeah. Yeah. It seems to be... It's a really cool look, and I also just... I knew Pattinson, like, would look good in it. <laughs> like, I knew that he yeah. would... Like, for some reason, for me, I can't really picture him as Bruce Wayne, but I definitely picture him as Batman. Yeah. And I think just, like, you know, his jawline in the costume, the way it looks. It looks. Also, his Perfect. build, too. Like, I've always liked the kind of more, like slimmer like not as like you know buff Batman. not like a ben affleck big chunky bulky guy right um, he kind of fits more of the bill of like a batman year one looking sure. batman and, that... and I, I believe that this movie is supposed to be like a year or two into his career right if, if i'm not mistaken mm-hmm. um so that makes sense right yeah you know, that it's pulling inspiration probably from from stuff like that so i i love that because i mean yeah. that like that look for Batman is honestly my favorite. I just think it's really cool. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I mean, I'm, I've obviously been excited for this movie in general, but I'm, my hype is just increased yeah. tenfold. I think that little bit of the score that we get is badass and that, uh, that test footage, which oh, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. pretty much been confirmed that that's the Batman Actual, theme, okay. Okay. which is so cool. That's cool. I think it's so good. It's so simple. It's just so, you know, like dark and like moody yeah. and it's it's great it's like nothing that we've gotten before in uh in terms of a batman theme mm-hmm. so i think it's i'm so excited i yeah. can't wait for more news to trickle out it, about this it's next year right next yeah summer? June, june 2021 i believe it actually comes out on my birthday i was gonna say uh, it's june 25th i think i saw i remember recently. texting you the release date yeah. and you're like oh my god it's my birthday. <laughs> yeah so, so. 
this movie better be good. <laughs> I have no doubt in my mind. Um, yeah, I have no doubt either. I, 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 I trust Matt Reeves to make a pretty good movie. Um, I really have enjoyed um, his previous works, and I obviously love Robert Pattinson. Mm-hmm. And then that screen test we saw, it just, it seems like everything's kind of coming together. With oh, the yeah. casting and, and the look and style, um, I think it'll be great. I feel like uh, Zoe Kravitz, Catwoman, still is probably not too far away, too. I know there's been a lot of buzz about, you yeah. know, kind of like tests being done with her in the Catwoman <laughs> suit, so that I'm extremely excited yeah. to see, because, like, I think every casting choice in this movie has been perfect. Like, like looking at Zoe Kravitz, like, recently in interviews and mm-hmm. stuff, like, she was on that show Hot Ones that, like... Chicken wing, wing interview wing show. Yeah. Her hair is cut super short. It's like that's Selena Kyle. Like yeah. that just is Selena Kyle. It's it's great. I cannot wait for this movie. I wonder. I wonder if they really are going for like a year one thing. I know? I wonder. And, and, and like I wonder if that's going to be kind of the story basis for it. Mm-hmm. Which would be awesome because that's my maybe my favorite Batman book ever. So yeah. Um, because I know that's kind of, there's been a lot of word that's going to be pulling influence from The Long Halloween, which sure. is, in a way, kind of like a sequel to year one. It's sort of yeah. a continuation from what was set up in that book. And probably the second best Batman book ever. Exactly. You know? um, well, I'll take your pick. It's one of those two. Yeah, I think I'm more of a year one guy. Yeah. I just think that that story is just so, so perfect. Mm-hmm. Um I feel like, unfortunately, this movie probably won't have as heavy of a focus on Commissioner Gordon, but hey, who knows? I don't know. Who knows? Maybe yeah. maybe it will. But, um, yeah, I, I could definitely see this going in a route where, you know, we get this sort of, like, you know, crime mob-driven story, probably between Penguin and Falcone, yeah. who is in this movie. I could definitely see the sequel involving Robin or Batgirl, whoever they choose to have as, like, Think they'll do a Robin again? I kind of feel like they might go more with Batgirl, actually. Yeah. Because, uh, there was, like, again, this other, you know, sort of casting news I heard where they casted this, you know, sort of unknown young girl. I think she was, like, maybe about, like, 13 or 14 years old. Hmm. Um, who, uh, I guess, like, her only credits was just, like, having training and, like, being, like, a ballerina. So, I could very much see, a, okay. yeah. like, a Batgirl angle being sure. pushed instead of Robin, which would be awesome. I would love to have yeah. that dynamic. Or a female Robin. Or a female Robin, yeah. which would be super sick. Mm-hmm. That would be that'd be great. And go right into Dark Knight Returns. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, yeah, I feel like it's almost gonna be a thing where, you know, maybe it's like seeing Batman through time, like his career through mm-hmm. time. Like maybe the, the sequel to this will be kind of, you know, he's a bit more seasoned, he's, you know, faced off with more villains. Right. It's interesting. I, I like what this is going for so far. It seems very original in comparison to all the yeah. other trilogies that have happened with this character. Very excited for it. And hopefully it's the best one. I mean, it's, it's a high bar. but <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah it's we'll a very see. high bar. but We'll see what happens. Yeah. It's exciting. What else you got on the news, Docket Dan? Well, one that is uh, kind of a little bit, you know, mainly pertaining to our interests. <laughs> Maybe not many of our other listeners, but... I hope so. I have a lot of of faith in our listeners. Is this uh, kind of bewildering new project that has been announced by Showtime, which I'm so glad I have Showtime. Oh, man. I need to get Showtime now whenever this comes out. It's going to be great. So um, our man, Nathan Fielder, the creative genius behind one of my favorite TV shows of all Mm -hmm. time, Nathan For You, is apparently collaborating with the Safdie Brothers on a show called Flipanthropy, which is a take on a... HGTV type style the show. The flip or flop yeah. uh, house kind of style show. 
uh, it this news couldn't have been more perfect for us. <laughs> I feel like like the universe couldn't have picked a, a comedic genius and like our favorite directors more perfectly than yeah. this. You know, like it, it's also so just feels so out of left field. Mm-hmm. Kind of like it's just not a, a pairing I would have ever expected. Oh no! Especially following Uncut Gems, uh, where the Safety brothers have made a huge, huge name for themselves, and I would have expected, you know, a movie deal, mm-hmm. you know, multi-movie deal with, you know, A24, whoever else, uh, whoever wants them, but no, instead, we're getting a Showtime show mm-hmm. uh, with Nathan Fielder, which is, I am so excited for this. It's amazing. Uh, and I never would have picked that, um, so I've been thinking, like, ever since we saw Uncut Gems, the Safety brothers have been in this thing where, you know, they've kind of picked one actor that they sort of, you know, just, like, really play off of mm-hmm. and, like, you know, really get to commit to the role of their films or whatever project they're working on. So we had Robert Pattinson, we had Adam Sandler. Not once did I think uh, Nathan Fielder would be the next, <laughs> no. the next candidate. That's insane. Um, so this is just a pilot that is going to be coming out, but I'm, fingers crossed, I'm hoping this becomes a series. Yeah. I feel like, if anything, this will probably be a mini-series of some sort. But... I mean, Showtime did... Um, uh... The um, Who Is America is that what it was, right? Yeah, they they did that show, right? Yeah, um, and Nathan Fie- Nathan Fielder had uh, directing credits on that, and I feel like obviously if they're willing to do stuff in that kind of realm, you know, something like this, the the philanthropy mm-hmm. uh, could definitely fit into their uh, style of shows. You Absolutely, know? it seems like they're open to it, and having that duo of the Safety brothers and Nathan Fielder just seems. Perfect. Oh, so yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure this will be great. It's it's been a while um, since we've had some Nathan for you, mm-hmm. and uh, it's been sorely missed. So I'm, I'm glad to see him doing something again. That's uh, much in front of the camera. He still has his HBO show that's supposed to be coming out, mm-hmm. where he's like mm-hmm. a sort of failed right. writer, and he tries to you know give advice to other writers. <laughs> it kind of sounds like very Nathan for you yeah. premise. So I. I really hope in 2020 we give both of those projects. That would be very, very cool. Can't Um, wait. Yeah, but I mean, what a pairing. I am so excited (laughs) for that show. Yeah. cannot wait. This week, um, segueing from World of Film into music, this week, the Pitchfork lineup, uh, Chicago's Pitchfork Music Festival, which is always held in Union Park every year, um, was announced. Our personal favorite. Our personal favorite. um, That is the best music festival you could go to in Chicago, in my yeah. opinion. I've been to all of the major ones. Lollapalooza <laughs> is just kind of awful. <laughs> but I get a weird feeling I might wind up there this year. Yeah. They have a weird feeling that Frank Ocean might play. That's oh. just kind of a prediction of mine. He's playing Coachella. I could maybe see him coming to Chicago for that. Is he supposed to have new music this year? Or? Allegedly. Yeah. yeah. Um, Everyone's dropping new stuff this year. I they really like. are. It's a lot coming out. Yeah. If he's there, I will buy a ticket. But um, Riot Fest, big shout out to them. Really cool festival. The Pitchfork, that is, in my opinion, the Music Nerds Music Festival. <laughs> it's a mixture of just, you know, high culture and people that actually care about music mm-hmm. and, you know, watching a set and seeing yeah. a really good performance. And they always have really good lineups and it's always, you know, definitely catered more towards my taste, Michael's taste. Mm-hmm. Um, the lineup this year is fine. It's it's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's okay. Um so the headliners for this year's festival on Friday is the Yeah Yeah Yeahs, 
Saturday is Run the Jewels, and Sunday is the National, um, going through some of the... Which, is the Yeah Yeah Yeahs, is that kind of more like a reunion thing? Like, they're still together, right? But, like, is that show probably going to be more of, like, a here's our greatest hits kind of thing? Probably. Or, or do they have new music? They don't. No. Um, so. The Yeah Yeah Yeahs, they've been, like, their career has been kind of on and off like for the last like seven or eight years Uh like last time they put out an album was 2013 Mm -hmm. and they've been largely inactive um and yeah it's kind of like a reunion in in a sense yeah i know they've played a couple just one-off gigs i know their debut album when that turned 15 i want to say that was a couple years ago now I think they did a residency in New York where they probably played three shows back to back. I honestly don't think they've done anything together since. So that is really cool. The AAs are a huge favorite of mine. Um, yeah. I really, I genuinely love all their albums. Their first two, their first two records in particular, I think are amazing. Um, so that'll be kind of cool. I know you've never seen Run the Jewels. Right? Yeah, so that'll be very exciting to yeah. finally be able to see them, uh, especially, you know, seeing them as the headliner there will be really cool. Uh, I'm sure it'll be a, a great long show, hopefully. Yeah. I, actually, I'm almost certain by then they'll have Run the Jewels 4 out. Uh, I thought I saw LP tweet about how it'll be out uh, fairly soon. Mm-hmm. Um, which is very exciting. Which is very Both exciting. Both love Run the Jewels quite a lot, uh-huh. so... Um, but yeah, the National on Sunday is a very uh, sleeper yeah. for me. The National I liked for a minute. Um, their last record that really, really wowed me came out ten years ago this year. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, their album High Violet. Um, I, I think that album is great. Everything since then has just been sort of like really boring or just kind of average. Mm-hmm. I do think some of their records before High Violet are pretty good. Um, I've seen them live before and... I don't really care to <laughs> see them again, in all yeah, honesty. Um, it's like, I mean, I have a lot of respect for that band. I do think they're good overall, but it's like, I'm probably going to sit that one out. Yeah. Um, also, we could do a little shameless plug. Uh, Infinite <laughs> Campus Ultra is going to be milling about at Pitchfork yeah. this year. Um, speaking of Midwest action, you could probably catch us, you know, making an appearance at the Midwest action table at the mm-hmm. Trip Record Fair that yeah. Pitchfork always holds, so... Yeah, we'll be there. Uh, that's actually maybe the thing I'm looking forward to most is the record <laughs> fair this year. Yeah. Um, I, you know, Run the Jewels will be awesome. And there's a couple other artists here and there. Uh, but honestly, it's kind of... A number of the other artists have played in the last few years. I've already seen them. Like Danny Brown I've seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Thundercat we've seen. Um Thundercat I'm actually seeing in March. Oh, so you're seeing him pre-Pitchfork, too. So that kind of, you know, (laughs) uh, takes away a bit of that for you. I will say, going back to Danny Brown, um, I really love his new album. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it'll be fun seeing that material live. I mean, I'll definitely go see Danny Brown again. Um, Mm. And that's another artist I've seen twice before already. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I just feel like with this lineup. Actually, before I go into what I'm going to say, I'm just going to give a quick rundown of other artists sure, on yeah. some of the various days. So Friday, along with the AAS, we've got Angel Olsen, um, the reunited Fiery Furnaces, who are kind of Chicago indie rock legends, actually. Yeah. Um, really cool band. I definitely will watch them. Uh, the black metal shoegaze band Deaf Heaven, who I really like a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Experimental electronic artist Sophie, among yeah. many others. That, I'm probably the most excited for on that day actually i really love sophie i would really love to see them live 
Um, Saturday, we got Run the Jewels. Sharon Van Etten is second billing on that. Uh, Danny Brown plays that day. Thundercat plays that day. Tara Wack is mm-hmm. going to be there, which I've never seen her, and that would be really That'd cool. That'd be cool, yeah. I love her. She's mm-hmm. she's incredible. Um, the experimental jazz hip-hop outfit, Bad Bad Not Good, is going to be there. That'll be pretty cool. And then uh, Sunday with the National, we got Big Thief, um, Kim Gordon from Sonic Youth, mm-hmm. who put out an incredible solo record oh, yeah? last year. Okay. So I definitely will be going to catch her. Uh, Caroline Polachek, which I know it's... One of Michael's most looked yeah. to for this festival. <laughs> yeah, I definitely. will probably have listened to her album by hopefully, the time Hopefully, you have another uh, six months. Um, we got Max O'Cream, Rhapsody, who would be very cool to see. Um, you ever listen to Rhapsody? Um, I think I've heard a track. You'd like her. Very, yeah, I think I, I think I checked her out before. Very 90s and dead mm-hmm. old school hip-hop. Yeah. Her like lyricism is just insane. I feel yeah. like she put on a really, really good show. Um, yeah, so that's just kind of a little taste of what you'll see. Uh, you could obviously look this info up and uh-huh. see who else is there. Um, but yeah, no, um, yeah, I'm going to go a little bit more in on this. I feel like there, there was kind of a lot of missed opportunities on this year's yeah. lineup. Um, we were talking about this before we went on air. It's, you know, for a band like the National, who yes is very big, I, I, can't believe they couldn't get Vampire Weekend to headline this year. I feel mm-hmm. like that would have been the would have been perfect. The natural pull for the this, you know, right, you know, right, right after their Grammy winning uh, last album, uh, and they haven't played Pitchfork in a number of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe maybe Vampire Weekend isn't playing. Maybe this be summer. A, I, I feel know. like they'll probably be a Lollapalooza, unfortunately. Probably, yeah, definitely. Uh, so that's unfortunate. But, um, yeah, I just, I expected more yeah. from this year. I expected uh, a good number of smaller artists that I would have, you know, wanted to see. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just, it's not a very inspiring list of artists for me. Uh, no. I would say Saturday's probably my biggest day. Um, you know, obviously with one of the jewels, it'd be cool to see Danny Brown again. Um, I'll definitely check out Tierra Whack and Bad Bad Not Good. Um, Thundercat. But it's like, it's a lot of those artists, I'm just kind of like, yeah, I'll go check it out because I'm here, but it's not like... Looking at this, it's honestly almost kind of equal Friday, Saturday for me. Yeah, um, Friday, yeah, Friday I kind of think is my least I could see that. Day. There's not really much that I could, that, that I know is like something you're super yeah, into. Yeah. But I will say, definitely see Angel Olsen and yeah, AAAs with me. I feel like they sure. really like their sets, yeah. especially the AAAs. Karen O is just one of the greatest front women mm-hmm. to ever exist. Yeah. I mean, she is just in, insanely great, uh, insanely great performer. And I, I probably, I probably just need to, because I never really got into the AES. Um, you know, I have like a few songs here and there from throughout their discography. Uh, but uh, before the show, I'm sure I'll definitely check out that first album. Is you know supposed to be one of the best of the 2000s. That's my and, favorite. Um, favorite album of the 2000s? Or, no, or just favorite of them? Of them. Um, yeah, so I'll definitely check them out more before the show. Um, and I, the other day when the, the lineup came out, I was checking out some of the small, smaller artists throughout the, the weekend, and it was just kind of... Yeah, not even in that regard. I don't there like really anything. anything. <laughs> I mean, Divino Nino is kind of cool. I like the Hex a lot. They're a local band. Huh. Um, if you haven't checked them out, I would say give them a listen. Okay. Yeah, because I, I didn't. I don't think I checked them out, but I checked out like Spelling and Finesse and Hop Along and some of the Oso Oso and and some of these other ones, and I just. 
I do like Hopalong. Um, uh, they're not necessarily a band that I like need to see live. They were know? like kind of like a, a punk kind of thing, right? Or was that maybe I'm? They're more of like an them. indie folk band. Okay, maybe I'm confusing that with one of the other ones. Um, but it just it nothing grabbed me at all. Looking at some of the smaller stuff, which in the past like has you know I've found some great artists uh, playing in like the smaller. Uh, or like in the, the, the lower section of the lineup, but this year, I don't know, maybe I'll check out the Hex and see, yeah. maybe they'll be good, but... I really like yeah. them. It's cool to see them on there, because, I mean, they're a fairly small local band, yeah. um, but they're really, really good. Yeah. So it's cool. I'm sure they'll probably be playing the blue stage at, you know, one in the <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> right. But... We'll catch them, uh, playing, or doing a sound check at the, in the morning. Exactly. Um... <laughs> But yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of a disappointment uh, for me. It's mm-hmm. a, a, a pretty big disappointment, especially because I 20 minutes before the, so- the <laughs> set list came out, I, I did the Early Birds special <laughs> and, and bought a three-day pass for just about just under $200, and now I feel, uh, especially knowing now that we have kind of a hookup for $100 for a full weekend, um, uh, I feel a little, you, little rip, ripped off there. Um, <laughs> So, if anyone's trying to get a pitchfork pass for a weekend, um, I'm selling it for as much as I bought it for, which is less than you could buy a three-day pass right now. So, yep. um, yeah, it's a, it's just a bit of a disappointment. I was expecting better. Yeah, me honestly. too. Like I said, there's a lot that I, I, I like on here, quite a lot, but I mean, it's kind of hard to be enthused when most of these artists I'm either, you know, I've seen multiple times, I'm literally seeing months before, yeah. or, you know... Just stuff that I just genuinely am not that enthused about, yeah. but there are some gems scattered through. So it'll be a very interesting year. Yeah, definitely. It'll be a very interesting year this year. Um, and on the subject of three-day Chicago events, uh, this weekend we're going to be going to C2E2. Right. Chicago's biggest, basically Chicago's Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. Um, Michael's going Friday. Just Friday. Monday, Friday, Saturday. Should be a fun time. Yeah, I'm uh, definitely looking forward to it. Some really great uh, comic writers and artists are going to be there. I'm really excited to to wait in line and meet Sean Murphy. I'm that'll be definitely awesome. going to do that. Bring some stuff to sign. Yeah. Um, and there's a, there's a number of other ones that I, I can't think of off the top of my head, but um, oh, Jonathan Hickman. Jonathan Hickman will be great. Be there. Tom King is going to be there. That's right. Probably my like. Yeah, that is absolutely. That is definitely one number one person I want to meet. Uh, I honestly don't even. Hopefully you're cool with like waiting around to meet him. Yeah, but, definitely. Um, yeah. That 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 is a dude that I've like always wanted to meet. I, I hope I hope there's a lot of DC fans who are burned by him because of his Batman book and they don't want to so wait too. in line. I really hope. So <laughs> I hope. Too. I hope. Uh, I hope it's not a long ass line for him. But I'm very excited to see him. Yeah. Um, uh, so some of the biggest, you know, kind of, you know, biggest guests that they're getting in terms of the world of comics. And otherwise, you know, in terms of like, you know, film and everything, mm-hmm. I think the entire cast of The Boys is going to be there. Yeah, I know for sure Carl Urban's there. That'd be cool to meet Carl Urban. That would be pretty cool <laughs> to meet Carl Urban. Urban. I'll have him sign uh, my copy of Dread. Yeah, as I say that, um, I think I own Dread. Uh, I would totally have him sign that. <laughs> um, but him and uh, Mark Ruffalo's going. Mark Ruffalo's Which is such there. a. That just seems, like, out of their league, almost. Mm-hmm. Especially because, like, Mark Ruffalo's only there by himself, it seems. It's not like he's coming with anyone else from the Avengers or anything. It's just kind of, Mark Ruffalo's here. He is, this um, year's, um, who did they get last year? They got, uh, Paul Rudd. 
Oh, did they? This year's Paul yeah, Rudd. that's right. I saw people with pictures with Paul Rudd. Um, I'd have I'd have Mark Ruffalo sign my copy of Zodiac for sure. Oh yeah, <laughs> the pre-Avengers Avengers movie with him and Robert Downey Jr. I feel like he would be um, so surprised if you had a copy of Zodiac. Oh, like, oh wow, <laughs> it's one of my favorite movies ever, and he's great in that. So Absolutely. I would totally. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm 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 hoping to find some good deals. Yeah. Obviously, you know, one of the big things is you know like all the comic shops that come and set up and, and sell stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, really hoping to find a issue of Farmhand number one because oh, I, I think you I, will. I, I just yeah, I'm sure I will find it somewhere. Um, hopefully for not an exorbitant amount of money um, because I just picked up the rest of that series or number two through twelve and I haven't been able to find the first one. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just just look around. I don't really have anything else like top of mind that I'm really looking to buy or looking to find. But me neither. It's kind of just whatever I see that yeah. calls my name. It would be nice to find maybe you know some omnibuses of mm-hmm. something that I want to read for a good price. Right. I've honestly picked up a lot of comics in the last couple of weeks, and I'm pretty like comic out. Good. Yeah. yeah. So uh, which is good. Yeah. I got all that for significantly cheaper than mm-hmm. I would have at this. Yeah. But if I come across some stuff, I mean, obviously I'm going to pick it up. Yeah, maybe it. like if I find like that box set of uh, like the Scott Pilgrim color editions yeah. for like, you know, a, a fair price, you know, something like that would be cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to it. Honestly, my top priority for the weekend is kind of just, you know, hanging out and just, uh, um, Honestly, just like they have a lot of really great creators this yeah. year. Um, as we mentioned, Sean Murphy and Tom King were two of my faves. I met her last year, but I actually I would absolutely love to meet Babs Tar again. Sure. She has a new art book out that she's been promoting on her Instagram oh, yeah. that I'd like to pick up. Yeah. Um, who else is going to be there? I'm definitely not going to wait in line to meet Jim Lee. Jim Lee is obviously a legend, but yeah. that is probably going to go. That'll be out wrapped the around the door for people wanting sketches. Um, what's and his like face? Getting the sign stuff. Uh, your favorite is, is is there again? Frank Cho. Uh, Frank Cho is there again. Frank Cho of course. is always there. It'd be cool uh, to see him. Uh, yeah. Joe Hill is there this year. Is he? Yeah. Oh, I didn't see him listed under the comic. Uh, art an artist page, but I guess maybe that makes sense. I think they might have put him under the entertainment yeah. guest just because of uh, that'd be know. cool. Yeah, uh, bring in a lock and key volume for him or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I bet that would that would be something that a lot of people would be in line for. Um, a lot of uh, Tom King's co-conspirators like Mitch Gerards and uh, Clay Mann are going to mm-hmm. be there. Um, Doc yeah. Trainer, who is an artist that I. Deeply that's love. that's the the new one, right? The Strange yeah. Adventures or whatever. He's gonna be working with Tom King on that, yeah. so that's gonna be really cool. It's very annoying that C two E two does not have any of the panels listed. Um, oh, it doesn't. I looked just this morning because huh. I had to activate my badge, and they have nothing. Huh. So I'd go might... to a panel this year for sure. Panels are great. Yeah. Like I really love them. Because last time I went, which was probably. God, it had to be four or five years ago now, I think. three, At least three years. Mm-hmm. Um, we, ne- we never actually went to any panels that day. Um, so I would definitely at least try and check out a panel. So I can bring that up, because that was the first time I actually went and checked out C2E2 mm-hmm. was that year. And then the year after, um, I you know just like, what are panels all right. about? Because I, ne- I never re- really did that. And they're really awesome. Yeah. And depending on what it is, I mean, they could be super... Just insightful and interesting. I'm really hoping there's one maybe pertaining to Tom King. I was going to say, especially if he has like all his artists there mm-hmm. that he's worked with over the past few years, like that would be perfect. 
We see a Tom King fan like that. I can see there being maybe one with Joe Hill or Sean Murphy, Mm -hmm. which would be very cool to go to. So we'll just have to kind of like eyeball the, you know, the schedule like immediately, see if there's anything cool that Mm -hmm. we should make time for. I'm um, really excited to get Punk Rock Jesus signed (laughs) by uh, Sean Murphy. I was thinking about that. I think I might actually, I think I might bring Tokyo Ghost. Yeah. Um, I was thinking I'd probably just bring... Batman White Knight 1 and, and Punk Rock 1. Um, and Do you have that. the issues of White Knight? Like, all of yes, them? Yes, all eight. They're, one of them is, like, worth a lot of money. Really? It's, I think, like, the third or fourth Is it, issue? like, the, the intro, uh, introduction of, like, other Harley or whatever? Neo-Joker? Yeah. Like, I guess that's what that character is referred to Okay, as. maybe I'll get that one signed, too. that one signed. Because, <laughs> I mean, that, I'm not shitting you. That's, like, a $70 book. Shut the fuck up. Yeah. Really? I can't remember which one it is. So, if you actually got shot Murphy to sign it, that could boost, boost that, that up. up. Yeah. Um, oh, shit. With Tom King, I don't know what I want him to sign. I guess maybe like Mr. Miracle, like yeah. maybe that uh, that Barnes and Noble exclusive version mm, I got, sure. like the collected edition. I honestly would be down to like maybe just buy another maybe, copy of Number One. Maybe I'll bring in. Uh, I never actually read it. Uh, I haven't read it yet, but that Green Lantern series he did a number of years ago. Yeah. Um, which oh, I'm uh, oh, Mega Man. Yeah, I could, I could bring that in because that's like. Kind of the only book I own by him that's a, an issue form, I mm-hmm. think. Um, I guess I think I have the first couple issues of his Batman run, but I don't know that I need those. <laughs> yeah. I never. I, I wasn't too big on, on his first arc of that, but... Yeah, that was definitely a let's lure, you know, the average Batman fan in with, like, a very average story. Yeah, and definitely. He really just did his thing after that, yeah. which is great. Like, I'm glad it ended up, you know, turning around so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not, definitely have to contemplate that. Think about what I want to get him to sign. Yeah, and I'm also just excited to, you know, I kind of want to buy some art prints from different people. Um, like that, we got that one. I think you picked it up too. That Mad Max one from yep. Sanford Green. It was also going to be there again. Um, I'd love some new designs. This yeah, year. I'd love to see what he's got. He's a great artist. Um, really nice man too. Yeah, he was such a chill guy. He was so cool. Yeah, and like no one was. He was really chill, and no one was really there. And we just walked up, and he was a super nice guy. He's an amazing artist. He's he's great. If you are unfamiliar with him, look up his uh, Power Man and Iron Fist mm-hmm. run that he was that he did the art for. Yeah. It's great. He has oh, such a great style. I just, I just bought um, Bitter Root number one. I should bring that for him to sign or something. That would be that's awesome. a cool book. Or it seems like a cool book. I haven't read it yet, but it seems like a really great book. I feel like you'd really appreciate that too. Yeah. Like someone like you know bring that to science yeah. uh, um there's, cool. there's not like west craig there this year or nothing is I there wish. that's like who i always want to be there and he <laughs> yeah. never is him or rick and like yeah. the one year that rick preventer was supposed to be there he had to cancel it was like he was Damn. sick or something yeah. it's so bogus because yeah between that's why it's such a big deal for me with tom king it's like it's like him and like tom king and remender those are like the two writers that i would genuinely love to just like talk to for a sec and just yeah. you know have them sign something because like their work just, just means so much to me. I right. love them so much. So it'll be fun. It'll be yeah. fun reporting back in the next episode about you know our finds, our experiences. Mm-hmm. So yeah, be really I'm cool. really excited. Absolutely. Um, I guess maybe we should take a break here and come back with uh, reviews of the new Tame Impala and Grimes albums. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. All right, we'll be right back. It's a rare occasion where um, there are two albums that Michael and I are both equally excited about (laughs) and that we could talk about on this show. And this week, the time has come. Um, We are talking, of course, about Tame Impala's The Slow Rush and Grimes' myth misanthropy, um, which let's just <laughs> we're, we're gonna uh, we're MA just, yeah. for the rest of this show. <laughs> we're just gonna call it Miss from here on out. Let's call it Miss. 
Uh, I'm gonna stumble over that the entire time. What a what an awful um, word to have in your Anthropocene. Anthropocene. So hard to pronounce. Thanks, Grant. Slow rush. That's a perfect nice. Just rolls off the tongue. Small words. I love it. Um, Yeah. But honestly, both really great records. Absolutely. Um, And both kind of a long time in the making. Yeah. Yeah. Had to wait five years. I, I didn't even put that together until you brought that up, how it's been a five-year wait for yeah. both of these artists and, to put out an album. And and both of these, um, both of their previous albums were two of my top favorite albums of 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Grimes' Art Angels was my favorite of that year, and, and Currents was, like, in my top three, I think. Um, so it was super exciting to see, uh, you know, that they're obviously coming back with a new album, um, and and... They're really good. They're absolutely They're really great. great. Um, one of which I actually would say is my favorite album of the year so far. Yeah. Which is, let's just get into it, Tame Impala's A Slow Rush. Yeah. What a just amazingly crafted record. And an, an impeccably produced album. It, it makes uh, sense why this took five years to yeah. come out. Because this is Kevin Parker at the helm of everything. Songwriting, production, instrumentation, mm-hmm. and the notes to the linearness to this album. There's really no one else credited. <laughs> it's just him, and it's which I, it was the case for Currents as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much every album of theirs, yeah. actually. Um, he did have a little bit more help on the. I'm going to call it the psych rock era, which they definitely are not in anymore. Um, But that's okay. Definitely in the disco rock era. The disco prog era. Or just pop. I mean, this is like seriously... I've said this with talking to people about the modern era of Tame Impala. This is kind of my ideal version of pop music, you Mm know? I mean, like, obviously I love pop in general, but what Kevin Parker does, giving it this psychedelic almost by way of hip-hop influence tinge is just so up my alley it's ridiculous it's just pure ear candy to me and that's just how i feel about the slow rush as a whole um i have like delved into i've probably listened to this album about like six or seven times um maybe yeah i've probably i've listened to it i think uh maybe closer to 10 at this point over the last two weeks and it's just i just pull new things out of it there's a lot of tracks too that i just constantly go back to i mean instant destiny mm-hmm. um it might be time which is my favorite track on the album those songs i just when i'm driving around the moment they end i just flip them on again yeah they just evoke just this feel like euphoric feeling in me every time i listen to them it's kind of the entire album as a whole i think this very just uh pleasuring euphoric like you said just like it just engulfs you in this beautiful soundscape um mm-hmm. it, it's a really um it's a really brilliant album actually it uh, is. I, I thought I, I think i told you um we we spoke uh, a couple days ago or last week sometime and I, and I was a little like i liked the album but the more i listened to it the more i i grab from it and the more i'm, I'm able to really uh envelop myself and and just it's such a good sounding album it really is um from the production to his performances on it, um, in terms of his singing and the instrumentation, I think it's really, it's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, um, it's just a great, great album. Uh, Absolutely. And just, you know, it, it covers a lot of bases. I mean, you have One More Year, which is this kind of, you know, just 
psychedelic jam, very mm-hmm. disco inspired, just very groovy and kind catchy. Of, like slow burn, and then like just it 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 comes with these great crescendos. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a really great track. On track. Wait, well, speaking of tracks, so it's track seven on track. Um, <laughs> yes. Very much feels to me like Flaming Lips worship. The oh, way sure. that the track is structured, it has this, you know, big booming chorus yeah. and these like gigantic drums and swells. Like a that big happen. power pop anthem thing like thing, yeah. you know? It's a really, really great track. I really love um honestly I think this album is really back loaded more so than front loaded for me. Really? Um like that that like you said, On Track is one of my favorite songs, um, which leads into Lost in Yesterday and Is It True, which are, like, two of the grooviest tracks, like, really great bass lines on both of those. Mm-hmm. Um, it Might Be Time is really great. That um, is hands down my favorite song yeah, on the album. Um, I think that song is just... I absolutely love the lyrics of yeah. the song. I love it that it's, like, you know, this Kevin Parker acknowledging himself getting older <laughs> and maybe not being as cool as he once was <laughs> and, you know, maybe, like, losing touch with friends sure. and it's I love that element to it. I think just the songwriting on that is great. It has it's just so god damn it, the percussion, the drums on that are just so just chunky and just yeah. like crisp sounding and it's just so good. It has this little sireny kind of synth like that just sort of sort of washes mm-hmm. over it. It's just everything about it is just like this kaleidoscope yeah. of just great sounds yep. and it's just so just colorful and wonderful and i never like don't want to listen to that song <laughs> it's so great through and through i think a lot of this album it it, it evokes those same feelings um mm-hmm. it's just such a glimmering shiny nice piece of music uh all it, the way through it has like a more so than I mean, this element's always been in Tame Impala's music, but it sort of has this inherent sadness, but this mm-hmm. kind of acceptance at the same time. Acceptance and persevering, and I think that's like a, a very endearing quality of this album. I think that's incredibly present on track four, Posthumous Forgiveness, mm-hmm. which is a definite highlight of this album. Um, that also is another one that, you know, an element about this record that I really like is a lot of the tracks... Um, the track ends, and then you get this sort of cut where there's, you know, extra instrumentation. Like a little edit that... Right. Like something on the cutting room floor or something. And it's just left in. Yeah. And I really like that. It, it helps flow the album together. Definitely. It's like you almost get bonus tracks within tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, can, you get that, too, with this, except that it just... It's a thorough continuation of the song. It, contain, it contains the same elements. Um, it's just this very touching and moving... Um, uh, tribute to Kevin Parker's father, mm-hmm. who he lost, I believe, in the time of recording this album. And you get that in the first half of the track, but then it segues into this even more beautiful, just, you know, more, like, beat-driven, kind of sounds like a hip-hop beat, just him sort of, like, lamenting about, you know, things that he wish he still could have done or said yeah. to his father, which is a very beautiful moment on the album, and a very beautiful use of just that whole technique that he's mm-hmm. been doing on this record of, you know, kind of having little extra bits to each song. Yeah. It's really great. Um, it's just achieved so well. Like, I love the one, I forget the track that it is, but one ends with, like, it, it sounds like a party mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, people talking in the background, and you can hear, like, faintly one of the 
one of the tracks it's on the a, album. Breathe Deeper was right. another huge track. Uh, you could just hear that in the background, like very like you know uh, lo-fi and, and everything. I, I think it's great. It's it's such a great touch. I love that that was added to uh, this and, album. And the, the track um, Glimmer, which is kind of more like an interlude near the end, um, where it, it it begins with with just like this this like uh, like a radio DJ sounding dude is just like. Oh, you got crank the bass. Yeah, crank the bass up. Um, then it just segues into this house track out of yeah. nowhere, which is really <laughs> awesome. I yeah. absolutely, I really love Glimmer a mm-hmm. lot. Like that song, just is so good. I yeah. feel like Kevin Parker could just release an album of like house music oh, sure. like that, and it would be fucking awesome. That, that track's a little weird to me because I feel like that one is split up from another track where. It feels like it. It could have been one of those like ending moments, like you said before, like those like kind of edit, uh, you know, additional little things. But it is uh, split up into its own little track. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's great. I love that about it. It's just a new avenue that mm-hmm. I feel like Parker has never taken this project in, and yeah. shows that he could also thrive in it. Um, gotta mention also the new version of Borderline, which honestly, when that song first came out. Um, I thought it was fine. Um, I knew that there was an edit to this, mm-hmm. but I never listened to it. I actually didn't listen to any of the singles going into this because I wanted to be as fresh with this as possible. Yeah, I, I had heard... God, I don't know. Because Patience isn't on this album. No, which I'm um, fine with. That which song I thought also, that song was okay. Yeah. Um, a little forgettable. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't think I'd listen to any of the other ones leading up to it outside of Borderline when it came out forever ago i feel like Mm -hmm. um but i love that song now this new version of it yeah when i Um, heard the new version when i got the album it just slapped me in the face i was like wow this is so good that little jumpy piano uh and just it's it's a really fun i mean this is a compliment it sounds kind of like a bg song almost (laughs) like the way that it's structured like it's so 70s it is so 70s but just so still fresh and new sounding at the same time Mm -hmm. and I really love that. That song is just ear candy through yeah. and through. Um, now, I do want to mention, um, I watched uh, the Needle Drops review of this the other, I think last night, mm-hmm. and I was just really taken aback by his very... Uh, ha- he just didn't like the album at all. It I seemed know. Like. And he gave it a six, uh, which seemed... Uh, too high for what he had said that entire review. Yeah, that review sounded like a four at best. I was kind of expecting uh, that too when he and then he then he, he gave it like a decent it. six, which I was just uh, really confused by. Um, but I don't know. Uh, maybe he's just. I think he says it in that review where he he's not as into this new Tame Impala sound. Right. Um, which I I mean I I understand some people having that feeling. I mean. As somebody who, I mean, I discovered Tame Impala through when I was a freshman in high school, and um, I just was like, there was like this really cool, um, like, college radio station that I I Mm -hmm. found somewhere on the internet, and I heard a track from Interspeaker on that, Mm -hmm. and it just was like, oh my god, this band is so (laughs) fucking cool, like, that was the year that that album came out. Um, so I have a very, very sentimental attachment to Tame Impala, especially that era of their music, because that was kind of, you know, on the cusp of my music nerddom, basically. But, I mean, I don't understand how people can, you know, hate on this or Currents, because I feel like what 
Kevin Parker is doing, I mean, is just... Yes, obviously it's different, but it's just so good. The, songs, yeah. the songwriting is so impeccable. The production is so great that I. it's sort of sad to me that there are some facets of their fan base or maybe music critics that just can't look past that. I, I feel like... I mean, maybe it's not the evolution you wanted, yeah. but... It's still, it, it's, it's, it's still, still earnest, great work, you know, yeah. like, like he obviously had his John Lennon masturbatory years with his first two albums, right. you know, with, with all the psychedelic and like seventies inspired rock. Um, but now he's like pulling from a different era, uh, and he's doing it so earnestly. It just, it feels like he was, he was born to make this music. Exactly. Um, and if you're the type of person that would say, Oh, you know, if you want to throw out the like doing it for money sellout thing, it's sure. like that's just invalid. Yeah. That's just completely you're you're just completely wrong to say that because I mean it, I, there was always an element of you know pop music and a you know strong sense of pop music in his music to begin with. He's just embracing it fully, and, yeah. you know, cor- incorporating more R and B or maybe hip hop influences, whatever, mm-hmm. and. It's just all done so well. And yeah, I really, I hate that. I don't yeah. like that um, reception towards a lot of this. Well, yeah. to a lot of the more recent Tame Impala albums. Definitely. But um, that's all right. I mean, I'm going to be listening to it. I'm going to be listening to this <laughs> yeah. thing. Like, I know I'm going to be all year round. listening to this all year. Yeah. Probably for another five years. And God I, knows whenever the next one I hope you, I hope you can find a copy of that, that... Urban Outfitters exclusive. Man, that looks cool. It's so nice. Yeah, I've got to pick it up on vinyl. I was going to get the Forest Green one, but uh, Michael got the uh, Urban Outfitters. It's a, it's a red, red and blue discs with um, like gold blobs in the middle of each. And it just, it looks... That shit looks awesome. It looks amazing. It's one of the best uh, pressings I have, I think, uh, just in terms of the look. Yeah. Um, it, it's really beautiful. I'm definitely going to grab that. But, uh, I hope you can. Yeah. I, I hope you can. Yeah, if I can, I'll, I'll still take that forest yeah. green one. I think yeah. that's a nice color a for nice that. One. Yeah. But um, all right. So, what would you rate the slow rush by Tim? Uh, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it an eight. I'm gonna give it a strong eight. Strong I eight. Think. I think it's a, a really great record. I don't think it. For me, at least so far, it, it's not hitting uh, the same level as Currents for me. I, I still think Currents is probably uh, something I would put over this one. Me too. Um, but I do really like this album a lot, and I'm liking it more and more as I listen to it. It's just like, it's something I can turn on and just just feel good, and and just like get and again just enveloped in the entire sound. And it's a great landscape of sound throughout the entire thing. Absolutely. I love it a lot. I'm sitting at an eight and a half on this one. Yeah. Um, yeah, it just, it's, I would say, like, as an album, like, you know, cohesively, I, I it lacks just slightly. I feel like there's just, like, something there that's kind of missing for me, personally. But, um, that being said, still, it still also does have, like, a bit of a strong, you know, cohesion to it. Yeah. And, it, like, I'd say it just sort of, like, lacks just slightly in that, in terms of, like, an album experience. But, um... Like every song on this thing is great. Every, yeah. There is just nothing that I really hate about this record at all. Other yeah, than just, I would say, um, there are stronger releases in the Tame Impala discography, ones that I'd put over it. Sure. But I mean, like by no means is this anything that you know. It's 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 a great record. It's yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. I, I absolutely love it. I'm so happy with what we got. It was more than worth the wait, in my opinion. Yeah. Um. Was the next album we're talking about worth the wait, Dan? Was Grimes' Miss 
the Miss album. <laughs> the Miss album. Um, I, I would say no. I would say it's a little, a little bit lacking. Yeah. I think in comparison to um, Visions and or Angels, um, it's not. I I don't think that this like really holds up to those the standards of those right. records. But I really love it's this so album. Good. I think it's really really yeah. good. Um, so yeah, let's get into it. Miss Anthropocene, the uh, fifth or sixth album by Grimes, I want to say. Uh, fifth album. I think fifth album. Yeah. Coming <clears throat> off of Art Angels, which was a gigantic record for yeah. her. Well, let's be real, Visions <laughs> in 2012 was yeah. huge. I put her around the map in so many places, not just the indie landscape, but, you know, people who follow a lot of more, you know, not under, I guess, underground pop. Yeah. Um, it was a very big breakout record for her. I think it's where a lot of people really found her. It's where I found her where I found originally. Her. Yeah. Um, so and, that was a huge album. And then obviously Art Angels, uh, an incredibly gigantic album for her, I think. Huge in scope. Um, uh, definitely more <laughs> on the pop end, which was very yeah. interesting to see her go on that route. But no surprise, she pulled it off perfectly. Mm -hmm. And it won a lot of Album of the Year awards that year. Uh, it was my personal favorite. That was a, a really big album. I love that album a lot. Absolutely. Um, so I was very, you know, I had high hopes for this one, but I was a little... I guess I, I guess I was a bit uh, worried, mm -hmm. a bit wary about this album, for sure. I'll be honest, I kind of thought that this <clears> was going to be the record where she sort of fell off a little bit. Like, maybe um, she fell through the earth. Exactly. Um, <laughs> like, on the, like, on the first track. Um, but no, not at all. I, I would say that, I mean, she, this is, she is, uh, it's cool hearing her kind of go back more en route to, like, a Visions-esque yeah. style. Um, you still do get some influ like influence of kind of like you know guitar driven tracks um, that she kind of toyed around with on Earth Angels or her uh, single that came out before this record. Even, um, even another one that's an acoustic track. Yeah, uh, which is something I never thought I would hear from Grimes right. ever. Which is great, and I'm glad she is you know keeping <clears throat> that and like introducing that yeah. into her repertoire, and like it's definitely needed, and I think she pulls it off really well. Um, but yeah, I would say that it's, uh, it doesn't, this, this record isn't, like, mind-blowing in my opinion, not, yeah. like, to, like, how I felt the slow rush was, but it's so great. Like, it's still just, like, a great yeah. listen. There really aren't any tracks on here that I am not a fan of. I think, um, some are definitely stronger than others on this. There's definitely a few that, uh, that, you know, I've only listened to this album maybe two, three times so far. It just came out on Friday. Right. Um, Same with me. And in all honesty, I mean, this could grow on me. Yeah. More right. Exactly. Subsequent listens. Um, there's a, there's a couple tracks here where I'm I'm even looking at the the title and I'm like uh, I'm not even sure if I can place which one this is. Mm -hmm. um, more of the ones near near the the end of the album. Um, but I, I think that this album actually has like a really great start. I think so heavy. I fell through the earth is a phenomenal track it oh, yeah. might be my favorite off the album um i really love violence 4am i think are really fun 4am and uh, my name is dark are definitely mm -hmm. my two favorite my name is tracks. dark is great uh delete forever which is the acoustic uh <clears throat> the acoustic uh guitar driven track um i believe a little peep dedicated track yeah i want to say huh. yeah i think that's who that song is about if i remember okay. reading that correctly yeah it's it was some it was some young rapper who unfortunately yeah. passed away that that song is dedicated to but um, yeah it's 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 a great track it's a uh, very touching it's like cool to hear like you said kind of go more of an acoustic yeah. route um 
One thing I want to acknowledge looking at the track list, I love that. I, I wonder if uh, Grimes really liked Mr. Miracle because there's a track two is called Dark Side that uh, felt like the the Mr. Miracle yeah. one and then New Gods, new gods who <laughs> Mr. Miracle is a new god. So. Yeah, I guess I hadn't put that together, but that could honestly be a thing. Huh. I wonder. That's that's interesting. If I, if I could ask Grimes one question, actually that would be it. It's like, did you read Mr. Miracle? Yeah. I honestly that would make a lot of sense. She uh, she probably has read Mr. Miracle. Probably. Probably. Um, but yeah, um, it's it's a totally uh good record. Uh, again, it, it it kind of I'd say it it really is harkening back to more of um, Vision's era, but with some of the stylings um, of Art Angel. It's yeah. kind of like a combination of both into a new record. Absolutely. Um, maybe maybe again, like a, like we said up front, maybe doesn't live up to the five year wait as much yeah. as something like the Slow Rush does. And wasn't, uh, in my opinion, not as like boundary pushing as her last two records yeah, were definitely but that's fine i mean i think honestly if uh she released another record like this i am still completely on yeah. board i it's still something that i will listen to a lot like i will with this album yeah. um it just doesn't live up to the heights of her previous work for mm-hmm. me but i still think it's great yeah um i don't know if i have really too much more to say about it honestly yeah. um would you want to give it a score i'd give it an eight Give it an eight. I think I think for this one I'd probably give it a seven point five. Give it a seven and a half. I think for this one, you know, maybe it'll grow on me more and more Mm -hmm. uh, moving forward. But um, again, I just haven't listened to it enough. I think at this point. Um, And I'm really glad that this record wasn't, you know, like I I don't know why. I just had a feeling about this just with all the conflict that came up with her, you know, having so many like problems (laughs) with 4AD or record label and. I just had this weird feeling that, like, maybe not for her own sake, like, maybe this record was going to be kneecapped in some way or just be kind of yeah. not as good as it could be. I mean, it is um, kind of kneecapped because it doesn't have We Appreciate Power on I, the, the regular track listing. So you took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> I was going to say that. I really wish that was on here. And, like, yeah. that track, I think, is just so good. I that really would push this up could... to an eight. I think for, for you, me. yeah, yeah. Probably would have that, that's a that's a great a track, and I'm I'm sad that it's not on there. I'm sure that you know I'll buy a, a record pressing of this at some point, and just be incredibly sad that that we appreciate power isn't on there. Mm-hmm. Um, but because and also like because I I looked at because I, I own this album on CD. It's the only way I've listened to this, but I looked at the deluxe edition on Spotify, mm-hmm. and I noticed that it's after um, I adore you. I adore yeah. you. Um, and, uh, man, that would have been a great ending yeah. <laughs> to this album if that was, like, actually yeah. the last track and not this, you know, the start of the bonus tracks for the album. But besides the point, um, yeah, I was kind of, like, worried with, like, it seemed like this record was sort of in a weird state just with the amount sure. of time that it took and, you know, all this, you know, kind of conflict that happened with it. But, no, Grimes comes out on top, still putting yeah. out just incredibly great music and... Yeah, I, I highly recommend this one, just like I do the Slow Rush. Of course. Really, really great start to this year so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give a, just a quick take on the new King Cruel. Um, oh, sure. That also came out this Friday. It was one that I was super excited about. Probably my least favorite record by him, but that's still, uh, that's like a, it's still like a seven and a half much, like out of ten yeah. for me. Like, I mean, King Cruel is one of my just absolute favorites. Um uh, the Ooze, his last album, I think, is a masterpiece. That was my second favorite album of 2017 when that came out. 
But uh, this one kind of feels like more of a sort of transitional record for him, just sort mm -hmm. of him on just kind of putting just something out, just getting a release out. But it's, you know, I think it's like about like 12 tracks in length and all really solid, just not, again, like kind of going it's an in-betweener. It's an in-betweener, not a game changer, yeah. but... I'm happy with it. Yeah. I love it. I think it's it's, it's a really good record. Yeah. While, we're, while we're still uh, here talking about music, I do just want to give a shout out to the new Strokes tracks. Ooh, uh, by yes. The way. Um, Absolutely. The the first one, which, uh, uh, Through the Door, is that what it is? Is that what it's called? I'm kind of blanking. At, at the Door. At the Door. Mm -hmm. um, great track. Oh my god, I love mm -hmm. that a lot. Um, definitely a, a, a different take on the Strokes sound. Definitely wouldn't have been surprised if that was a Voids track. Oh, not at all. Um, but I'm glad to hear it. I think it's a. I think it's a phenomenal song. I think it's one of Julian's best performances, like maybe ever vocally. I think he sounds phenomenal on that track. Um, I just love his 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 gravitas to it. Uh, it's it's really great. Like genuinely, maybe um, one of the best performances. Casablanca has ever done that's in my not, opinion yeah um, I mean he, he just absolutely destroys it on yeah, that track it's, I mean, it's so moody it just like it oh it just sounds so powerful exactly the other I'm playing on the name of the second single um, that came out yeah let me I, I should have looked this up well if I was gonna bring it up it's all good um but uh Bad Decisions their, their second single for their new album which comes out in April which will be the Strokes' first album since 2013. Oh my God! God, it's been so long. Uh, they it's had a, they had an EP in probably what 2016. Yeah. Um, which was kind of that was an in betweener for sure. Yeah. Um, but really good. I mean, yeah, I like it was. The it was yeah, there, but... but it was uh, you know three tracks long. Yeah. Um, the new Abnormal though, I'm I'm super excited for. That's their new album coming out in April, uh, which they announced alongside a performance for uh, a Bernie um, uh, at a Bernie rally, which is really great. Absolutely. Um, and and Bad Decisions definitely more of a Strokes sounding song mm -hmm. uh, than than At the Door is, um, but. Totally good. It's it, fun. It, it's, it's not. It, it's not filling me with as much like hype as the first track does, as their first single. Mm -hmm. um, but it's totally a good track. It definitely harkens back to more of a maybe like an Angles era strokes. Right. Um, definitely more. And I love Angles. Like, yeah, I, I was I lis listening to Angles while I was uh, driving over today. Nice. Uh, that's a phenomenal album. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it's it's a. I'm really excited. These these Me new too. tracks are, are really great. Absolutely. Wow. Be, be nice to see them back. I yeah, seriously. I can't wait. I mean, yeah, I'm very hyped for that album. I think both of those singles are great. Um at the door more than yeah. um bad decisions, but I mean still bad decisions. It's it's good hearing them go in that Angles is definitely an album that I hold very near and dear to me, so yeah. it's it's very cool hearing them go back into that style. Um, that should be listen to Angles, too. It's been a while since I've put that on. Such a great record. It's a great album. But, um, gee, it's been, sh sure has been fun having all this positive <laughs> talk about really good new music that's been coming out. What do you say we change things up and talk Oof. about, uh, probably the worst movie of last year? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do we'll it. We'll be right back with, uh, with a review of Fred Durst's The Fanatic. See you in a minute. <laughs> Moose is a man who has autism. The Wikipedia page reads under the plot section for Fred Durst's horrendously insensitive and truly awful 2019 feature film, The Fanatic. 
Moose, who is our lead here, is played by the one and only John Travolta, who once, whose once successful career in Hollywood has been almost entirely burned by a decade plus of awful appearances, and the fanatic is no exception. This film almost exclusively follows Moose as he stalks a movie star and goes about his everyday life. With what seems like inspiration taken from Tommy Wiseau's The Room on part of Travolta's acting, as well as a truly horrid script, I think it's safe to say that this is 2019's worst film. Would you agree, Dan? Yeah, I, I think I would agree with that. On a lot of levels, um, just not only is this obviously a, a bad movie all around, but um, yeah, you really hit the nail on the head with insensitivity in mm-hmm. the intro. Um, it's just kind of bewildering to me that, you know, somebody with the uh, reputation that John Travolta has of being, you know, this, like, pretty iconic actor and, you know, so widely known will would stoop the level of being in a movie like this and yeah. playing the role that he does in this. It's pretty shocking and pretty pretty sad, all things considered. And the crazy thing about this movie, and I... And I... I make note of the room, uh, Timer Wise, was the room in, in my intro there because it feels like a movie made in earnest. Yeah. Just like the room is. Um, but it's obvious from the get go that nothing about this movie is good. Mm-hmm. Um, every, well, well, okay, I will say this. Some, some of like the actual movie making was okay in yeah. this. Like it looked pretty okay. It had like a, a good kind of like indie, uh, dingy LA look and style to it, especially in the um, intro to the movie. Yeah, I remember when we were watching it, we both kind of looked at each other and said, "Oh, it's actually you know, you can really tell." Like you said, that it, it is trying to take itself seriously yeah. and actually present something that is you know to be taken or received as a serious film. Mm-hmm. And so it it definitely. Um, looks much better and like it was made by actual filmmakers than something like The Room does, mm-hmm. which was obviously made by a bunch of amateurs. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I would say Fred Durst is a filmmaker, uh, especially after this. Um, <sighs> but he definitely probably surrounded himself with good people mm-hmm. to make this movie. Um, the problem being, though, that Fred Durst was the story has the story credit on this film as well as half uh the co-credit for the screenplay um which is just absolutely garbage it's um, terrible it's it's offensive it's insensitive it's um it's just really poorly written it has characters who uh whose relationships don't make sense um whose actions don't make much sense no nope. uh it it's it's really quite um it's a it's it's just bad it's just a bad movie all around um i would say maybe like the score was okay the like actually the music was kind good. of okay I'm, uh, it's not done by Fred Durst, thankfully. Not, you do get a little bit of Fred Durst <laughs> oh, music in it. Uh, where, so the character Hunter Dunbar, God, just saying that name out loud <laughs> just made me laugh. Um, so the character that Moose uh, is stalking to just get his autograph, because mm-hmm. uh, Moose is just this autograph collector and autograph obsessive. Definitely like a horror Hollywood film, obsessive. kind of like, um, almost like what you would think of, of like the comic book store uh, uh, Simpsons character, right? Mm-hmm. Like that kind of guy who's just very 
uh, nerdy and has no friends and, you know, lives a sheltered life and really puts these actors on a pedestal and, like, just yeah. idolizes them. And so he idolizes this this actor, Hunter Dunbar, Hunter which Dunbar. is... Even just that name is... That is some bad writing right there. <laughs> That's a terrible name. No one would ever rename that. No. Um, who is played by Devin Sawa, who... It's funny, it kind of had, like, a, a, a big, like, it it guy uh, horror career in the late 90s, early 2000s with Final Destination and mm-hmm. Idle Hands, um, but it's really fell off the map in the last 15 years, uh, I feel. Um, but, yeah, so basically the movie uh, revolves around Moose, who's John Travolta's character. Like I said, basically, like, his everyday life, he has this friend who's... Uh, not, it's not really explicitly said, but we, we assume is like a TMZ photographer. Her name's Leah. Um, yeah, we get really no inclination of how Leah and Moose, uh, wound up (laughs) being being friends. friends, Whereas she's probably like 21 and Moose is definitely 55. I'm looking up this actress. She is our, basically our age. Mm -hmm. She's 24. So this 24 year old is somehow... Just hanging out with this. I'm assuming Travolta is probably in his, like, 60s. 50s or 60s, definitely. Um, Let's see. Oh, John Travolta, for sure, is probably gotta be 60. Um, He is 66. Yeah. So this 24-year-old is just uh, (laughs) randomly hanging out with a 66-year-old man. It's never explained. It's not like he's her uncle or something, or it's... Almost unclear if if they've had like a sexual relationship at some God, point. I hope not. <laughs> um, it, it's 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 uh, really puzzling as to why she continues to be friends with him throughout the course of this movie because he's really just off, mm-hmm. um, and and she keeps like leading him on to these. So so basically, um, Moose uh, go goes to uh, his like favorite local Hollywood memorabilia store, horror store, um, which is gonna have a signing. Hunter Dunbar is gonna be there doing a signing. Yep. Of course, he he gets in line and uh, cuts in line oh, actually, and no one cares apparently. And everybody's um, just you know, <laughs> everyone's just cool with you it. You get one girl behind him just look at him slightly, <laughs> and then that's it. Um, and and so he gets up to the front of the line, and of course, Hunter Dunbar walks away and can't take any more autographs for whatever reason because it's you know he's got an, a strange child and um um his his wife is you know he's broken up with his wife and it definitely has the bad movie traits of you know throwing in just all the very stereotypical oh, sure. plot points about a character like Hunter. Like, mm-hmm. he's a deadbeat dad. Yeah. He's trying to reconnect with his kid. He, yeah. you know, is a, he's a, a huge pompous dick. asshole. Yeah. And he has so much money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> goes uh, for all of those tropes. It's, it's not subtle in the, in the slightest. No. Um, and so, uh, John Travolta tries to, like, you know, still get his autograph, but obviously Hunter's, like, you know frustrated and yeah, like you said he's a huge asshole anyways so he like you know uh you know tells him to go away like get away from him um and that turns moose into this like very obsessed uh obsessive guy who turns out he wants to actually stalk mm-hmm. um hunter dunbar and man is it just like so uninteresting it's it's just a movie full of nothingness 
Um, it, there's a moment like halfway through where one character dies and it's not um, brought up again until the very end. And it is in a way a payoff to the film, but you know what kind of payoff really? <laughs> at the end of the day, was it really worth it? Uh, no, no. And and so so really, this movie is very much all about Moose and John Travolta's performance. It all hinges upon him, and John Travolta is—he's going for something. He's I, definitely on. I, I I doubt that he is maybe aware of the movie, but I almost kind of feel like he, in his own mind, thought he had sort of like a situation that. Nicolas Cage had with a movie like Mandy. Sure. Where he's given this kind of weird, weirdo, I'm going to put big like quotes an, around this auteur. auteur movie, and he's given this role that is very unlike anything that he's done sure. in recent yeah. years, and I feel like in his mind, he thought that this role and this film would be something that would like put him back into, you know, more discussed in film circles and people yeah. that care about film much like Nicolas Cage I feel like it's kind of had in the last couple of years this, he, this... Had his, he had his bits where he was you know kind of a laughing stock yeah. unfortunately yeah, definitely I mean I'm sure he, he feels... still probably does I mean he does anything I'm sure you feel the same way like I have a lot of respect for Nicolas Cage I love Cage. Nick Cage he, I love Nick Cage he cares deeply about yeah. the art of acting and a film like Mandy like it really like I feel like showed to people that you know didn't go to see it because they were expecting memes of it. Mm-hmm. We're like, hey, this guy can like pick really good roles still and yeah. can still like give really great performances. Definitely. And I feel like Travolta kind of had that in mind with this, but <laughs> God was he off. And you could so tell. You yeah, could tell yeah. that he felt that this performance. He's really he giving it doing, his all. Yeah. But what he's giving is so wrong. It makes me very uncomfortable. Yeah. Especially um you know Having a having a job where I, I work with the public and I come across people who do have autism and sure, do yeah. are of special needs quite a bit, um, it, it just makes me so uncomfortable seeing this man like do a performance like that, and it just feels so disrespectful to people yeah. that actually it, it like really have that. it's almost like the movie is like shining a, a really bad light on autistic people and like it, it almost seems like it's saying that there's something wrong like that like, they're bad and that you know like it's like such this, a weird message it has this whole like this guy's crazy yeah kind of thing. that like, too he's a star and like you're supposed to be like laughing at him uh like which you do which like the movie does become you know hilarious in points but not because it's supposed to be right um because it's, it's it's just it's terrible just bad. it's just so bad and you know seeing him in that role and you know acting you know like he is somebody with with special needs like that and then i'm not going to say this for spoilers especially when we see that character put in the situations that they're put in at yeah. the end yeah oh <laughs> oh god that's it's just that is you can't get more poor taste than yeah. that. And it's just, it's, it's very, very, it's very disappointing. It's just very, you know, I mean, obviously John Travolta has not made the best choices in terms of his film career no. in the last 10 years, as you said in the intro, but 
This might be the worst, in all honesty. Yeah. It, it might be the worst. Not that I, I don't think I've seen another movie that he's in in the last ten years, probably. Me neither. Um, but, but, you know, just from, like, seeing, well, you know, coming across stuff. I guess Gaudi was supposed to be just as awful, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, he's been, he's been on a really deep decline um, for the last... 10 yeah i would say 10 years looking at his filmography like even in the late 2000s he was you know doing hairspray and taking of pelham one two three not great movies but like big movies yeah, and now it? he's relegated to like doing random shit uh indie films that are just terrible mm-hmm. um and and this is easily the worst movie I saw last year. From last year. Oh, definitely. Which is crazy, considering this was the year that gave us the Hellboy reboot. It gave us Dark Phoenix. Uh-huh. Um, that truly awful Star Wars movie that, that we don't Star want to talk Wars about ever movie. again. We do not want to invoke the name of ever again. But we probably will. Uh, <laughs> it's funny, uh, side note here. I saw there was like a Twitter thing going around that was like, if you could... Make a sequel to any film of all time. What would it be? And a lot of I saw an answer that was like the Last Jedi. <laughs> Please give us that sequel. That's hilarious. Um, sorry, that's a, a side tangent, but um, yeah, the fanatic is is uh, it's painfully bad. You know? I got a question for you. How would you rank this in the realm of bad movies? Because I mean, bad <sighs> movies, especially in the last ten years, has sort of taken on you know a very cult phenomenon. Sure. Success. I mean, movies like The Room. Which are terrible but very well beloved. Yeah, Troll Two, like terrible but very well beloved. Right. They're loved and you know are viewed as charming and have fans because of their badness. Yeah, um, I, I, I think the problem with this one, it would fit into that category because there's a lot of movies these days that are like bad on purpose, right? There's a lot of movies that are really trying to capture that the Troll 2 style of film, you know, mm. and just be, like, totally out there and over the top and stupid and bad. This one definitely has that room aspect because it was made in earnest. It fe- it, it definitely feels like they wanted to make a good movie. Um, I think for me, it just kind of... It doesn't reach the height of, like, something like The Room, especially because of just how insensitive it is. Yeah. It, it, it really kind of boils down to just, like, the meaning behind this movie and, like, the themes of it and what it's saying in the end. It's just really off-putting. And I don't... Like, I would never probably watch it again. Exactly. Um, like, if it, was, if it wasn't so tone-deaf and kind of mean-spirited yeah. in a lot of ways, um, which I feel like... It's sort of, it's sort of mean spirited in like a naive way. Like I mean, in the sense that like sure. what it what it executes and says is terrible. But mm-hmm. I feel like the people who made it are just so naive and like don't yeah. realize that, yeah. which is a huge problem. Definitely. But it's like not like a thing where I could say this movie is like you know outright hateful. You know what I mean? Sure. You know, yeah. No, sense. I get that. Um. But yeah, and like that definitely takes away from it to like. Where like a movie like The Room, where um, I was actually just talking with a friend who said that he went again to a music box. Oh, sure, it, see like a midnight like, this past weekend, and it just it reminded me like, you know, I want to do that again. Yeah, like yeah. I, it's been like two or three years. We should since do it we again. Did that, and we should do that again because The Room is a movie you want to watch again and again. That especially that, in that setting. 
that that is a movie that is just so earnest yeah it's infectious and it doesn't matter that it's terrible and has all these gratuitous sex scenes and horrible (laughs) acting and horrible pacing yeah yeah that's i love it about it it's a classic because of it because it's just a testament to like how everything can go wrong in a movie but be beloved Mm -hmm. because of that it's really interesting and there's just none of that in this like you said i there is really like nothing about this that i'd want to rewatch other than just for like how genuinely funny i found a lot of the dialogue in this movie yeah Yeah. (laughs) there are a lot of bits where well i mean the bits that where it's like less on the you know cringy awful aspect there's just there's some incredibly funny <laughs> like the, lines in the introduction of our main character where he walks into his hollywood memorabilia store and goes i ain't got time i got poop <laughs> like it's that's so literally good. the first line that moose says in this movie it's one of, the, one of the first scenes that i was privy to with this movie um is where we get hunter and his, his son he's like hanging out with his son um they're in a car <laughs> of course because this is written and directed by fred durst they're listening to Limp Biscuit, oh, and he says to his son, these guys were hard back in yeah. the day. You know what? They still are, and then cranks it up. And I like, love that scene, because it goes on way yeah. longer than I thought it was and you, going and to. That, and like every view of that child, like that kid is not enjoying this at all. No. It's, so, it's so ham-fisted, and I... It makes me wonder if, like, Fred Durst knew what he was doing there, or, like, if he really thought <laughs> that, like, this is funny, this is cool, this is a nice little, uh, you know, shout-out to me and my band. In a way, uh, and also just with how long that scene goes on, I kind of want to think that he is so uh, self-centered that it's like, I'm gonna, like, remind people this was the best yeah like, he genuinely yeah. believes that yeah. i mean that's awful but i i like it makes me like it's it's funny to it's me. funny it'd be it even funnier funny. to me that if that's you know that's what it was yeah. um gotta give a huge shout out to uh the character leah who is also the narrator of this movie oh, right. who just you know her narration is just all this like way edgy um yeah. just <sighs> kind of like like, like stupid like, analogies and, yeah you know just like segueing the movie along in like just a very terrible way yeah. yeah but again it feels like it's you know feels like it's more serious than it actually is Definitely. or takes itself more seriously than um, it actually is now before we get into the score here i do want to shout out the little murals that they do in throughout <laughs> the film which are actually like pretty cool looking but break up the film so oddly the movie basically has loading screens <laughs> yeah it's these uh chalk drawings that happen that basically present what is about to happen in the next chapter yeah. of the movie um they are pretty cool, they're cool actually. it's like a cool like time lapse where you see the drawing get drawn um through like you know 15 seconds or whatever if, if you've um, ever gone to a cool trader style. joe's and you see their chalkboard yeah. like that they have in the front of the store with some drawing pertaining yeah. to the store it looks like that it's but that it but John Travolta. Travolta. <laughs> bad haircut. yeah um oh, i forgot all about the i just i'm remembering right now the like side plot of of john travolta being like a a Hollywood Walk of Fame uh, kind of street performer uh, as this, like, British, old British cop. Yeah. Um, and how he, like, gets picked on by this, this douchebag magician guy who, 
just like calls him bad names and is like stealing from people on the street and it's like that plot never goes anywhere but i i guess it's just supposed to show you like how society treats people like this and they're so bad and um I mean, I guess that that's probably not wrong, but... Uh, I mean, it's done on the most, like, ridiculous ham-fisted yeah, way possible. Yeah. If I remember correctly, I think there's a scene where they pull a knife out on Moose yeah. and they're in a bathroom and... and the, the one, the, the lone good character <laughs> the of this movie... Uh, this random-ass security yeah. guard who's uh, working the Walk of Fame and is just there, just there to look out for me. I guess, yeah, and I guess he's the security guard for the Walk of I Fame. Because he's not a police officer and... He's always not in a building doing security <laughs> in like a building somewhere um, on the street, just perusing the streets. Like that bathroom, he's just there. He's just around. Great um, character though. He's yeah, like the n- nice guy. Old. Yeah, real yeah. nice guy. <laughs> um, otherwise, there's no good characters in this movie. No, nope. uh, and it's just it's just a truly horrid film. Mm-hmm. Um, so before we get into spoilers, what did you give it, Dan? I think I'd give this a. I'm feeling a two out of ten. Wow. Yeah. I think um, the reason why I'm at a two is because it definitely was an experience. Um, sure. It definitely, it was, I got entertainment out of that one viewing. Yeah. Watching this with you and, uh, you know, it's on Amazon Prime, so if you want to experience this for yourself and you have Prime, do it up. <laughs> but but don't, I, I would say don't watch this by yourself. This no. is definitely like a a, a, no. a group experience. Yeah. Like you'll definitely be making fun of it the whole time, laughing at it. Um, share, share the trailer around. Yeah. Let your friends know that Fred Durst made this and <laughs> get together. Get, right? Yeah, bring some people over. Um, it'll be a good time. Uh, so I think because of that, um, that that puts me at a two because I got some enjoyment out of that hmm, in that okay. regard. But um, all around, just what a miserable, miserable film. It is so trash. I'd I'd probably have to give this a one. Uh, although, like what, like you say, like I did have a an enjoyable time watching it, uh, but it is just a terrible movie um, mm. through and through. It's 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 really bad. Um, not really much to gravitate towards in terms of anything good. Oh no. Um, so we'll elaborate so, on that more when we yeah the spoilers here. So so um, if you haven't seen it yet, or if you haven't seen it and you don't care because honestly you know we're spoiling the worst movie of the year so um come on this journey with us and and listen to us talk about some of the really bad stuff in this movie mm-hmm. um so so what do you want to point to first dan the I... part where he kills the <laughs> the maid of hunter hunter dunbar's maid let's do it um yeah so obviously moose you were now in the the height of his you know stalking aspect yeah. of, of the storyline he's at hunter's house um and he you know has like a pad of paper he wants hunter to sign and he gets uh found by hunter's maid which of course adding again to the stereotypical tropes of this character he's yeah. having an affair with of course la yeah. da da yeah. um and <laughs> god it's every stereotype i don't even remember what happens exactly to the point where he accidentally murders her she like tries to make him leave i think yeah there's like a struggle doesn't he just like accidentally and i think he her? like pushes her because i think she's like hitting him or like smacking him and then he like pushes her and she falls into like a uh 
like a bird fountain. Yeah. Um, she hits her head on the side. Yeah, she just of hits that. her hits her head on that and just like it's a fatal falls head. dead. Like her head just like, um, caves in. And I forget like what his reaction is to it, but it's so bad. Um, Travolta's reaction is just like. Oh, I hit her on the head, but she's she's not dead. It'll be okay. Like it's. Like, I think it was almost like, "Oh, are you sleeping?" Or yeah, something, something like, like that. that. It was just like, "Oh, this is so terrible." Again, adding uh, to just the bad taste, just horrible representation. Yeah, of people who have autism. Yeah, it's really terrible. But the funniest thing about this is this scene happens, and you just do not. Or you're not given anything about this until literally the end of the <laughs> Multiple movie. days pass in the movie's timeline before this woman is found in his backyard dead. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, she's dead in this man's backyard. We're not gonna... hidden, just in plain sight, and no one notices for, like, two days. We're given a, I would gauge, probably five to, like, maybe eight minutes of, so there's this point in the movie where... Moose is in Hunter's house, uh-huh. and oh God, it just reminded me of the bit where, okay, so he's in the house, he finds two <laughs> antlers, and oh, he's yeah. to prance around the house going, Moose is in the house, <laughs> Moose is in the house, uh, stuff like that. And then he, like, sniffs the tooth and uses the toothbrush, and I'm pretty sure it was, like, his son's toothbrush, too. He uses it. Uh, it's so gross. It's super gross. <sighs> but um, Hunter comes back, and he just... I don't know, I think he just gets drunk or something. No, he, and... uh, well, he might have been drinking too, but he, like, he's taking sleeping pills. Okay, there we um, go. And he takes sleeping pills, which are, like, really knock him the fuck out. Um, and then, like, Moose takes it upon himself to sit on the couch with him and watch TV with him. Which, take a like, selfie, I think. Yeah, he takes a sleeping. selfie with him, which, like, brings Moose back uh, in a flashback to, like, when he was a kid. And, of course, another stereotype <laughs> where... Um, one, he's watching Night of the Living Dead, which probably, you know, starts his horror fascination. Um, but then, like, you see in the background his mom walk past with, like, dude number seven for the night, you know? Like, mm-hmm. um, just, you you couldn't, you couldn't write a movie to have more cliches than this. Um, Absolutely. It's honestly wild. Uh, and all of this has happened. And still no reference to that man. <laughs> all this still time has passed. All um, these scenes have happened. Up until the very end of this movie where um, Moose comes back to the house. Or is he still in the house? Whatever it might be. Um, I'm, I'm forgetting the timeline exactly. But he's in the house again. And he has uh, taken Hunter hostage. Mm. Uh, and has tied him up to his bed. And <laughs> keeps coming into the room with like... Uh, Jason Voorhees mask on with like a big knife and he's <laughs> like threatening his life basically but it's all like for jokes um, and then of course Hunter kind of persuades him into letting him go and like you know if you let me go we'll uh, you know we'll go and watch this movie together and we can uh, we'll, be, we'll be friends we'll, we'll go get strawberry ice cream yeah. um, and, which is like a plot point for some reason that he wants milkshakes for strawberry ice cream throughout the entire movie he's at a Hollywood party he goes up to the bar asks yeah. for a strawberry milkshake oh god um, and so he lets him out he he uh, you know, unties Hunter, and of course Hunter's first reaction is to um, immediately 
strike strike him. I actually I think he shoots him first. I, I want to um, stay on this scene for a minute because this yeah. is like definitely a thing where this this probably made me more like the most uncomfortable in yeah. this entire movie. Oh sure, we we're literally getting a scene of this guy like horribly like beating a man with autism yeah. not to mention also like obviously Travolta is just going for it as the character yeah. is you know moaning and in agony in a way that a person God. with autism would have if they were like struck in the way that he was I oh no he cuts off his fingers first he, like, right he no he shoots his, his fingers, fingers off. off that's right the first thing he does I think he like maybe knocks him down um, somehow maybe he punches him, and then he takes his gun, which is, like, up right above his bed for some reason, cocks it, and then shoots his hand off. And you get this, like, very explicit shot of, like, the fingers just, yeah, like, just spewing blood, and, oh my god, and then stabs it's... him in the eye. Yeah, and... I feel like I've repressed a lot of this, uh, <laughs> thankfully, but now it's flooding all back. And it is so hard for me like it's just so hard to see that yeah. and especially just given you know how that character is and what they're going through in that time it's it's just terrible he like That's... he like pushes him down the stairs for or, uh, he's stabbing the eye and then he pushes him down the stairs and he's all the way down the stairs and he's gonna kill him he's gonna take the knife and like stab him and then he doesn't um and you know and talking about this right now that that made me realize why this isn't like a room movie because it's why would anyone ever want to watch a no, scene like that right. again watching a scene where a man with autism gets nearly beaten to death in like such a brutal way what yeah. is there with that to even laugh at that's not no, funny it, no matter it. what yeah i mean I, I guess if the character was just a creep or something and like you know had yeah. you know no problems like this no you know um didn't you know have autism like i guess it would be fine because like you're seeing this like it's like if guy. it were like a revenge film yeah. kind of thing but this there's no revenge like, in the this. character it's... of moose is genuinely like a, an awful human yeah. being and not just somebody who you know just misunderstood and then, misunderstood. you know doesn't have the mental that um, could be funny because it's like, oh my god, sure, he shot right. his fingers off. Yeah. And that's so random. Like, why would you? <laughs> yeah. Why would that happen? <laughs> but um, in this context, it's, there's it's, just it's nothing. Bad taste. There. It's, it's such bad taste. It, it, yeah, I'm I'm mad now that I'm thinking about it again because I had kind of repressed all of that. Um, it's it's truly terrible. Um, and so he he the the very ending of this film is. Uh, Hunter allows him to leave. Um, he actually like kicks him out, I think, of his house, and um, you know John Travolta is walking around now, bloodied. He has no a stump of a hand, and his eyes bleeding. Um, and again, Fred Durst takes the opportunity to like, like say something about society, and and these the dudes walk up, tourists. these two tourists walk up, and are like speaking in in Spanish or something, and and saying like how great. Uh, Moose's makeup is when actually he's like in agonizing pain. Um, it's like just so ham-fisted and, and over the top. Um, and literally the stupidest part of this movie probably um, is when the cops show up at, at Hunter's house <laughs> and it's his gardener uh, who we like meet very briefly earlier in the film who Hunter like tells him like, you know, if you ever see this guy, you know, snooping around, like let me know. 
Um, and the gardener comes up with the police, and he's like, "That's the guy." <laughs> and and you finally they... get a shot of the maid again, who is now like gray. Yeah, her body's been out there for and God knows and how many they days. they then connect Hunter with killing the maid, which I don't think I don't know if that would actually hold up in any way. I don't um, think so. Uh, really like for I, the I sake don't... of this movie there's the justice yeah. this is him getting justice for how he treated moose it's so bad okay. <laughs> it's so bad it, it made no sense it was so out of nowhere and it was like it was like finally like yes we're coming full circle on the maid yeah i guess but like why have we not seen her for the last hour of this movie but whatever um mm. this movie's just it's terrible it's, it's really terrible, terrible. Um, was there anything else you wanted to point to? Honestly, I actually just want to give a shout out to, um, my friend Eduardo, who, uh, wrote to the show. Yeah. This, our, our, uh, lineage with the fanatic, I think, goes back to episode two or three. Oh, wow. Where Eduardo wrote to us and said, uh, look at the upcoming films of John Travolta. And I forget, I think Bruce Willis and, like, say which one you'd rather watch. So, uh, <laughs> you know, twenty something episodes later, here we are. We're we're half a year it. later. Yeah, here we are. We did it. So I wanna I wanna shout out Eduardo for. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like I probably would have became aware of this movie regardless. I think I had known about this movie before before that, but um, kind of gave us a little bit more of intention to actually watch it. I'm so glad we finally did. Exactly. Um, so I give a shout out to him, and I feel yeah. like us reviewing it on this. Uh, on this show, I feel like this is sort of like a closing the book on, yeah. on the chapter. We've been referencing it a lot. Uh-huh. We finally got to it. I have nothing positive to say, so I feel like this is a positive note to end this, uh, <laughs> this yeah. review on. It's just, Definitely. It's, I'm glad we finally got around to it. Yeah. This awful, awful film. And I, and I, I don't know. I don't know if I want to say I hope people check it out, but again, if you have, you know, you can get a group of friends together who kind of like watching these bad movies and experiencing these things. It's it's a it's not a bad watch. Yeah. I mean it is, but it's, you know, it, it could be a, an, a fun watch. But. Exactly. I, and I think people should, especially if you are in the movies, if you're movie nerds much yeah. like ourselves. If you're a Limp um, Biscuit fan, if you're a Limp Biscuit fan, <laughs> I think it's uh it's it's very interesting and it's oh, yeah. right just that, you know, something like this was made and that, you know, people actually thought this whole thing would be a good idea. <laughs> I would love to know the budget on this. We were talking right before we started recording. It it has the air of, like, you know, being well shot, being well kind of produced. Mm-hmm. So I have feelings that this was made on, like, a, a not a huge budget or anything, but, like, upwards of 5 to $10 million. I was going to say, sure. if you were to guess, like, what would it be? Uh, I, that's I, what I would was, guess. I, this looks to me like probably, like, a $5 million. Yeah. Budget movie because I mean they really just use the same I think like the same four sets I guess yeah throughout the movie um, and then otherwise it's you know just the streets of L A I guess yeah and there's really I mean like I'm looking at the cast list and there's like literally five people there's yeah not much yeah. it's all pretty bare bones I mean it. It looks kind of cheap, but like not really. Again, like it, like it's an indie film, but yeah. it has it has it, it's shot like pretty okay, right? You know? But um, 
Yeah, the box office numbers were abysmal. Yeah, like three thousand. Yeah, opened in one hundred fifty three dollars. Opened in fifty two theaters and only made three thousand dollars. That's very sad. It's extremely. You sad. hear of like you know these big indie films that go to like two theaters and they make like two hundred five hundred k you know like mm-hmm. in two theaters over a weekend. So this, that's sad. Um, but honestly, deserved. Oh, yeah. it didn't didn't deserve more than that. That's, um, exactly. And uh, it's also a Redbox produced film, <laughs> and uh, maybe Redbox should get out of the, maybe they the should. movie business. Or just try to, you know, put out better releases. I mean, God, but that's the now, best you can do. That, it's, it's funny now, because I think Gotti, uh, that, which was supposed to be really terrible with John Travolta, was a, was a movie pass produced film. Really? So, like, now John Travolta, like, is he going to do, like, a family video produced <laughs> film next? That's just, like, god-awful? Or... I wonder. Um, yeah, that's... Ugh. Bad movie. Um, okay watch if you're with somebody, but definitely don't seek it out if you're just yeah. watching by yourself. There, There is never going to be... Um small theaters doing, you know, midnight screens. Yeah, I don't think so. This this definitely does not have cult classic written on it. More just uh, gigantic Maybe you can go to, like, Fred Durst's house and he'll put on a a showing and a (laughs) and a one day, but... uh, Probably. Not, not like, a music box showing or nothing. Nothing like that. Um, So, yeah, that uh, was our review of The Fanatic. Uh, We'll be right back with some shout-outs. Let's do it. Shout outs. Let's get to it. Um, first shout out this week, I'm going to shout out my brother. It's his I, birthday today. Oh, of recording? Yeah. Oh, wow. Happy birthday. Today is John's birthday. That's Happy awesome. birthday, John. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I've got a shout out. I'm going to shout out a movie I, ca- I watched last night called Bliss. Um, it's a Shutter exclusive, um, which is. Definitely way up your alley. Mm. Uh, I thought it was really great. I thought that movie kind of kicked ass. It's awesome. Um, it's a very lean, like, 75 minutes long, I think, without credits. Um, and it's just about this this uh, <coughs> this kind of uh, hungry artist, this starving artist who's uh, living in L.A. somewhere, um, trying to make a, you know, trying to create this, this new painting. She hasn't... She, you really had something in a while. Um, and she goes out with some friends this one night, uh, and she gets into this drug, uh, Diablo, uh, this, like, cocaine, uh, hybrid, um, and, like, trips balls and, like, is, like, really tripping and, 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 um, ends up, like, having these weird visions where she's, like, bloodthirsty and, like, killing people, and it's kind of uncertain for a little bit through the movie if, like, these are actually events occurring or not. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really well made, like, stylistically, it's, like, total, you know, neon aesthetic, very Nicholas Wining Refn kind of style. Wow. Um, cool soundtrack, uh, strong performance uh, by the, the main actress, um... Who plays this, the the woman Desi, uh, mm-hmm. who's the artist, and and really gets gets there with like the in terms of like the gore, it's like really crazy, like all, like over the top stuff, but it looks amazing. Um, some really cool uh, camera work in it, you know, like shots where like you know there there's shots where she's like laying on the ground and the camera like like 
basically pulls her up, like standing oh, wow. straight up, because uh, like she has like these, you know, bloodthirsty vampiric powers, uh, you know. But you know, it's also that you know, are we sure that this is actually happening or not? Is it the drugs? Um, there's some really great stuff in that movie. I, I really enjoyed it a lot. That sounds awesome. Um, definitely, like I said, definitely up your alley, especially because you're, you know, you really take to these uh, moody, you know, slow burn kind of, you know, films like that. A yeah. lot of like, you know, just kind of uh, scenes of her just like painting, doing this painting, and the painting is really awesome. Like it, it, like the transformation of this painting that she's doing throughout the film is just. It's really something That's amazing awesome. looking. Um, so I really recommend that. Uh, again, that was Bliss, uh, which you can find on Shudder. Is that a new release? Uh, it came out it... last year. Okay. Um, and this this guy, I think his name is Joe Bigos. Um, he actually has another movie out called VFW. Yeah. Uh, have you heard of that one? That, yeah. Um, which just came out, uh, which I actually really want to watch. Because it's like, you know, old dudes at the VFW fighting like monsters or punks or whatever it is uh that movie looks really fun that too. sounds awesome um so yeah huge shout out to bliss i thought that was great that's awesome yeah i really want to check that out that's that sounds awesome yeah um i'm gonna give a shout out to a movie i've been meaning to watch forever which is uh enemy by uh denny oh. Bellamy. i yeah. finally watched that this week you ever seen yeah. that it's a good movie that's the i found out that it was on netflix like recently i was just scrolling past and i never got around to watching it yeah and what a weird film. Yeah. I really loved it a lot. It's really amazing seeing how um, relatively, I mean, not even really early on in his career. It only came out in like 2013, and then he's been, you know. I, think, I would this. say it's a pretty early early one for him, right? Yeah, I mean, but I mean, like in terms of like the span of time from that to then Arrival. Oh, and sure. Blade Runner, and now him doing Dune. It's like. Wow, that's like it's really crazy, like seeing how his career went yeah. from just in such a short time from him doing this, you know, just extraordinarily strange film, but you still get a lot of aspects mm-hmm. of like the films that he has become way more widely known for. Right. Um, it's great. Just this story about uh, this struggling history teacher played by Jake Gyllenhaal mm-hmm. who discovers there's this kind of no-name actor who he shares uh, a doppelganger yeah it was a, it's a doppelganger and you know seeks him out and tries to you know kind of connect with him in his life and you know sort of like get some clarity as like how this happened where you know they both look so physically like yeah. the same and it's just it's so strange such an and odd movie just the events that happen after they meet up is just so weird I... and it's great. I definitely I, need I to really watch. I definitely need to watch that again. I haven't seen it since probably 2013, 2014 uh, time frame. Mm-hmm. Um, that movie's so weird. There's still stuff like to this day. I've only seen it the one time, but I can still remember some shots oh, and, yeah. and sequences that are just like, wow, that movie's weird. And just one of the most, you know, the ending just kind of comes out of nowhere. You get teased as to like what is going to happen at the end, but then. I, th- I don't think I remember the ending, which okay. is fine. I, I I would love to watch it again and, and, and see it again for, like, you know, uh, to be a surprise. But um, great movie. Yeah. Definitely a great movie. Glad I finally got around to watching it. Yeah. It's something that's been on my, my list for quite a while, yeah. and glad I could finally catch it. Um, I think I, I have one more shout-out here, uh, and it's, it's another movie I watched yesterday. Um, shout-out to my buddy Joe, who borrowed me a couple movies 
um, some of his favorites from, you know, from back in the day. He borrowed me a Bronx Tale. Oh, nice. Robert De Niro yeah. uh, directed movie. Totally sweet little mob story, you know, yeah. coming of age mob story. Um, That's a great movie. Yeah, it was a it was a good watch. I liked it. Um, definitely a different style than like what you expect from, you know, that kind of that era and that style of mob film. It's like so different from like you know this is only a few years after like Goodfellas, like right before Casino, um, but it really tells like such a different story in that landscape. Um, I thought the main character was great. Um, I love the six, the 60s aesthetic of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I love any movie in like this, you know, set in the 60s. Um, and it just had like such an air of, of nostalgia to it. And, and I will say like, it's, I know it's, it's De Niro's like first directed film. There were like some scenes where it was just like, there's a little much. Like the, mm-hmm. there's like scenes in that movie uh, where where some of the characters are like you know beating up other characters with like baseball bats and stuff and like just how those scenes are shot mm-hmm. is just like so silly like there's a scene <laughs> with um uh, this like biker gang it's like it, it it starts in this in 1960 but then flashes to 1968 uh, flashes forward to 1968 and so this biker gang comes into the bar you know it's like set in the Bronx um, obviously. Um, and they come to this bar that's owned by, like, the local, like, mob, like, boss guy, um, and they, like, start trouble, and, like, this scene is just so silly where, like, the like, very fast camera cuts and, like, you know, like, scenes of, like, the camera looking up and a baseball bat coming down onto the camera, it's, like, so silly, <laughs> like, really takes you out of the moment, I think, yeah. um, but other than that, like, it was a, a cool story, um, I love, like, the interracial uh, relationship that the main character tries to start with. Um, some kind of off-putting stuff with that. Yeah. Uh, with, like, his friends who are very racist. and I, I haven't seen that movie probably since I was a little kid because my dad really yeah. likes that movie. Um, but I, I do kind of remember things with that. Yeah. yeah like I, he, I'm sure especially watching that now, it's like... There's, that, there's definitely a moment well. where, like, he says he says the he you know he calls you know this woman that he's interested in and her brother the n-word uh in like a fit of rage and then like the next scene like the you know like later on in the movie like the woman comes <coughs> this girl comes back to him and is like kind of like oh my brother lied about like you know you beating him up or whatever and like he never even um he never apologizes for what he said it's it's very it's like it never happened. It's so odd. Yeah. Um, but other than that, uh, it's a pretty pretty cool movie. I thought it was really good. I want to revisit that. I haven't like I said I haven't seen it since I was a kid, and I'm kind of curious how I feel about that. <laughs> and I, I loved it. Was um, definitely like a very old DVD um, that he borrowed me. Like you know one of those ones in like the, the those like paper cases where it has case? like yeah it has a snap. <laughs> Um, that movie's actually really hard to find. Really? That's really out of print. That's huh. actually like a $40, $50 DVD. Well, damn, <clears throat> I don't have to tell Joe that. Yeah. Um, but I also loved it because it um, it's it must be a widescreen DVD, but it's also 4x3. So it's like literally this entire, you know, the top is cut <laughs> off and mm. the side. So it's like this little tiny screen <laughs> in the middle of my 50-inch TV made it about like 30-inch. <laughs> That um, looks so funny. On it, w- it was so weird. At first I was like, is is it gonna like widen? Is it gonna get bigger? And then the entire movie was just in this little tiny format. 
Um, but no, it's a good movie. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, definitely wasn't as much De Niro in it as I expected. And a very brief cameo from Joe Pesci in that movie, too. I forgot he was even in that. Yeah. Makes uh, sense, though. Yeah, he, like, shows up right at the end and has, like, a little brief moment if you, if you, you might miss it at the beginning. Um, but no, it's a good movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think last little thing I want to, well, actually, uh, I'll try a couple things. Um, going back in the movies I've been watching recently, I got around to seeing, uh, <clears throat> Mr. America by Tim Heidecker. Oh, yeah. Which is on Hulu right now. So is it? Free that. on Hulu? Yeah. Oh, shit, I'm watching that. It's so funny. It's basically like if, uh, Tim Heidecker kind of did his own version of, um, I, I compare it to Nathan for you in the sure. sense that the film is about Tim Heidecker's character. Well, he plays Tim Heidecker. Uh, <laughs> but like an for, exaggerated version of himself, right? Right. Running for uh, district attorney of San Bernardino. <laughs> and it's just following him on his campaign trail. And it's, you know... It's him like meeting with like real people, right? Yes. That's um, In amazing. character, oh, there's God. so many scenes where he's just, you know, talking to old people on the street and pushing his agendas or God. I won't even spoil I'm sure it's super cringy. some of the avenues it takes. Like if you're a fan of, I mean, obviously you're a fan of Nathan for you, but to our listeners, if you're a fan of Nathan for you, obviously if you're a fan of Tim and Eric and anything that Tim yeah. Hacker has been a part of, um, <clears throat> this movie weirdly spurs from his, uh, adult swim, like, dot com show on cinema. Oh, that he yeah. does with a comedian, Greg Turkington, which, that thing, that project. Still need to check that out. Yeah, it started off as this like you know fake uh, Ebert and Roper type show with uh, uh, you know um, Heidecker and uh, Turkington talking about movies, but it goes into the, it, there's like a story developed sure. out of it. You don't necessarily need to be caught up with all that. Like the movie does a good job of explaining all the okay. plot points of that. Cause this movie is directly tied to that wow, show, to that web series. But, um, it does a lot with all of that. It's like kind of impressive how much, you know, they built up a lore behind that. Behind, <laughs> and, behind uh, this weird adult swim.com show. <laughs> yeah. Which like, I've frankly only seen maybe three or four episodes of it, but it's always yeah. so funny. I need to check that out. And this movie, yeah, is just hilarious, especially watching this in the year of a, a, a looming election. It's, it's great. <laughs> it has like a lot of really great commentary yeah. on, you know, the state of politics in the U S today mm-hmm. done with a very, uh, subversive, comic lens so it's, it's awesome i might watch that tonight actually now that you bring it up it's great yeah uh i think that's all i got for shout outs yeah. yeah also i'm gonna shout out bernie sanders I'm yeah good political hell yeah that's, that's my dude he he's gonna nevada do it last he's night. gonna do it i feel very good about this the nevada stats from when i saw last night were like ridiculous like he had like 50 percent of the vote when i saw mm-hmm. um Hell yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so. As much as the media wants to keep burying him. Um, you can't really at this point. At this point, you know, he's he he's going to do it. Yep. So let's keep that train rolling. So, yeah, I think that's, that's about all I got for this week. Yeah, it's a good week. Episode 25 of Infinite Canvas Ultra. Thank you for joining us. We will see you next time. And, yeah, just be good to each other. Have a good one. And take care. This week's episode of Infinite Canvas Ultra is sponsored by Midwest Action. For more information on their releases and events sponsored by Midwest Action, you can head to MidwestAXN.com or search MidwestAXN at Bandcamp. Midwest Action. Listen local.